Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the morning show. Good morning, Andy. Good morning. How are you today? I'm well. Did you watch yesterday's show? Uh, yeah. Did you see I almost choked on TV? I missed that part. Oh, my goodness. It was scary. Well, hopefully you'll have a choke-free <laughs> Tuesday morning. It should be a nice day today. Sunshine and a high temperature of 33 degrees. Right now it's 18, and we have a uh, wind chill of 7 degrees. I know you've been watching the Olympics. Yeah, I wanted to talk about the Olympics, if you don't mind. I, sure. uh, downhill skiing is, is very scary to watch. Have you watched it? I have. I'm terrified of watching it. I watched a little bit of it last night, and uh, it's, it seems like it's gotten more and more dangerous. You know, it has. In fact, uh, when I was younger, uh, there are no such thing as helmets or uh, <laughs> safety straps or anything crazy like that. Uh, but you're right, the speeds are incredibly fast and it is one of the most dangerous sports. And we did see some spills, a few spills. Yeah, a lot of spills. The sport that I think is probably the easiest because um, I think with every Olympics I look at uh, the events and try to decide which sport could I still compete in mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. snow jumping or ski jumping. No. They, they go down with these super wide skis. They're in, in grooves, they don't even have to stay in a straight line, they're in grooves, and they just, gravity just sends them down, and the only thing they have to do is just lift up at the, at the lip and then land it. What could, be, what could be simpler? Might I say something? Yeah. I think that's actually the hardest sport in the Olympics. Really? Yeah. Yeah, there's no so doubt. You just go down. How do you think they get up there? There's an elevator. Not at all. Not when they practice. Not when they're growing up. You know, they have to climb those hills all on their own. Mm -hmm. I think uh, figure skating routines would be the most difficult. Yeah. Probably. Um, but yeah, fun to watch. Uh, it, it's hard to watch because it is, what time is it? It's 10.02 p.m. in Beijing right now. It's 13 hours ahead. Yeah. Um, I watched a little bit of the women's ice hockey. That was fun. Mm -hmm. um, and you. then the downhill skiing. <laughs> I would like to watch ski jump and snowboard. And uh, what's the other one? What's the biathlon? That's where the cross country skiing and the bow and arrow? No, it's guns. Guns. Okay. <laughs> it's, like, it's just, I, I wonder how that sport ever came to be. You ski for a little while and then you shoot something. Ski a little longer, shoot something else. I don't understand that sport. The, actually, the, the easiest sport in both summer and winter Olympics has got to be curling. You just send this thing down the thing. It looks more like a like a you sweep. Yeah, yeah. It looks <laughs> like a. It does look easy. It looks like a game. It's. I think it's the most popular uh, Olympic sport that gets uh, streamed uh, or streamed or looped on social media, though. So it is. A, it's a popular sport, and a lot of it is because of how funny the sport looks <laughs> when the athletes are uh, competing. And again, how did that sport ever come into being? Canadians love it. Uh, Olympic uh, viewership, though, is at an all-time low, mm -hmm. and I think it's partly because it got off to a really uh, boring start with the opening ceremonies. Um, you know who I blame? Who? I blame the network, and I also blame the, uh, the Olympics, the Olympic Committee. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, in the days of just marketing this, two, three weeks before the event, mass marketing and expecting folks to just tune in is not gonna happen. Um, you remember when 
you used to you used to be able to know these athletes by name, and uh, you know we would highlight them. The United States would feature uh, prominent athletes in ads and things like that. You just don't see it anymore, and if you do, it's uh, it's not noticeable. I guess does that make sense? I, I agree. Uh, you know who's getting a big workout? The uh, anchor of. NBC Nightly News, Lester Holt. Oh. He's going back and forth between the fire pit outside and the studio inside, back and forth, um, burning a lot of calories. Yeah, speaking of news anchors, did you see that YouTube banned permanently Fox News host Dan Bongino? It's the year of the ban. It's the year of the ban. You know what's interesting? I don't follow him or watch him. I know who he is. You can watch people get murdered on YouTube, you know? It's unbelievable <laughs> the, the, you know, what is allowed and what is not. It's just, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. it's, it's so crazy. But he violated, he was banned for a week and then started another channel and uh, violated their terms of service. So he's permanently banned. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, uh, the ban, I think, has an opposite effect. It causes more publicity for Agreed. the bannee. Uh, take a look at Joe Rogan, who, um, did you know he makes $100 million a year from Spotify? Yeah, he just was offered $100 million yesterday from another media company. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it, it's nuts. Yeah. Uh, something happening in Canada uh, this week. Uh, truckers, they're upset about the mask mandate. And this morning, protests against the uh, mandate and the other uh, pandemic restrictions have uh, closed the Ambassador Bridge, which is the large, large, largest crossing between U.S. and Canada. Uh, it's, so it's a crucial artery for auto parts suppliers, so if you're waiting for a car, uh, you may have to wait uh, longer. So it's clogged right now. So what's now. the problem? Well, Windsor Police said the U.S.-bound lanes were um, reopened just a few minutes ago. The Canadian-bound uh, Canadian lanes uh, remain closed, but the truckers are the ones that are making the biggest uh, noise about the mask mandates in Canada. So we'll uh, see if those restrictions get lifted already. We've seen mask mandates um, relaxed. Uh, the governors of Connecticut, Delaware, New Jersey, and Oregon are planning to lift statewide masks in schools this week. And uh, California announced that it will drop its statewide indoor mask mandate for people who are vaccinated. Uh, the, the, the reason the easing of the uh, Omicron surge and the desire to bring normalcy back. I think we'll, we'll be in that situation here in Michigan as, as weather starts to turn. As we get closer to uh, St. Patrick's Day in spring, I think you'll see a lot of that uh, here as well. When we get closer to St. Patrick's Day, we'll be getting closer to the two-year anniversary of the uh, pandemic. We've um, got statistics from the state. Let's hear them. Alarming. Uh, unvaxxed COVID-19. Uh, those who are unvaxxed... Um, the majority of COVID cases, hospitalizations, and deaths in Michigan, uh, MDHHS uh, released uh, data from January 15, 2021 to January 15, 2022. Unvaccinated Michiganders account for 77.6% of COVID cases, 85% of hospitalizations, and 83% of deaths. So I think one of the things that we're seeing is those who are unvaccinated have resumed a They're, normal life. Yeah, and the, you know, those, you know, and those are the folks that will be at most risk potentially mm -hmm. if uh, yeah. if they contract 
the disease. It is interesting, you know, you kind of follow along with your circle of people or whether it's, uh, you know, if you have kids in school and you, you'll go like a few, you'll go like a month and every day you'll hear so-and-so has COVID, so-and-so has COVID. And then you won't hear anything for a while. It's weird how it kind of makes its way through, um, you, I'll say friend group for lack of a better term. And then you don't hear anything for a while. So it's interesting. It, it definitely, from what I've seen, has, has come in these waves, mm -hmm. so. Did you get your COVID test in the mail? I've been getting COVID tests in the mail every day. I don't know what's going on. I'm, they're listed on eBay right now. I got mine in the mail and I, I used it because I was, well, I wasn't feeling that well. Is that why you've been in a bad mood? No. I just thought, well, you know, I'm not feeling, the, I'm not feeling normal, so I took the COVID test negative, but um, it's complicated. Yeah, it is. Yes. You almost have to be a lab technician. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you take enough of them and you'll figure it out. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I did get my four free ones from the government and then somewhere else. They just, show, they just showed up. Mm -hmm. So I have no idea. Uh, big, big weekend coming up, Super Bowl weekend. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm very excited. This will be the first time the Super Bowls returned to L.A. since. And I remember watching this game at home. I was 10 years old. The Bills and the uh, Cowboys. Do you remember that game? I do. And the Cowboys just killed the Bills. I think that was in the uh, string of four straight Super Bowl losses for the Buffalo Bills. It was. It, I believe it was their final loss, and uh, it was a blowout loss. 31 million Americans are expected to do what for the Super Bowl? Gamble. Gamble. 31 million Americans. So we're going to... See what our uh, our guys think. I think the consensus around the building is the Rams, but um, there's a lot of prop bets, so it's a it's a lot of fun, a lot mm -hmm. of fun to bet on. Rams to make a field goal to start the game. Okay, Rams Rams to make a field goal to start the game. And you can bet on everything. 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 Coin toss. As you know, I used to go to Las Vegas for the Super Bowl weekend, and one of my traditional bets was the coin toss. When did you ever go to Las Vegas? From for? 2002 to 2006. I don't remember any of that. Well, you weren't invited. <laughs> so there. Yeah. It's also a Valentine's weekend. Oh my goodness, it is. Yeah. Uh, remember how last week uh, the city of Jackson announced the winning snowplow names? The no. city uh, residents uh, were invited to name the snowplow. Well, here's some great news. The honors continue to uh, roll in for Betty White uh, Betty White, the longtime beloved TV star who died on New Year's Eve, just two weeks shy of her 100th birthday, had a snowplow named after her in her adopted home state of Minnesota. The new plow is affectionately dubbed Betty Whiteout. Oh, that's, that's cute. Uh, there were other uh, favorite names in Minnesota. These, I think, all beat the Jackson names. Uh, Control, Salt, Delete. Oh, that's beautiful. I like that. The Big Laplowski, Plowosaurus, Rex, uh, Scoop Dog, Blizzard of Oz, No More Mr. Ice Guy, and Edward Blizzard Hands. I like Control Salt Delete. Yeah. That's my favorite. Control Salt that's my favorite. That's how Brandon and I fix our computer if we can't turn it on <laughs> still. We just, we try that no matter what. That's what we were taught in school. Control Alt Delete. With uh, all the snow, did uh, you and your family make a uh, snowman? We didn't, but oh. uh, there was a snow village at some point. I don't have photos, but no, we didn't get to a snowman. In uh, Ontario, somebody made a snow bear 
uh, for Valentine's Day. This is along cow, uh, the highway in Kingston. Tina Latane uh, said her husband Rob spent three days building the love bear in the couple's backyard. Well, that is unbelievable. And that's a bottle of Coke. Yeah. Wow, that's cute. Mm -hmm. Very cute. I wonder uh, how long that took and if they had to take work off to complete that project. Speaking mm -hmm. of Valentine's Day, today's show is brought to you by the jewelry shop. It's mm -hmm. Valentine's Day and the jewelry shop has you covered. Stop in and see them, say hello to Frank and pick out your Valentine, a wonderful gift. You've got six days to do it, mm -hmm. six days. Maybe less if you're celebrating earlier, you have to have that gift ready Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, or Sunday even, so. Well, you know, Valentine's Day, people will be celebrating Friday night, Saturday night, maybe even Thursday night, Sunday, yeah. Super Bowl, Monday. Actual Valentine's Day is Monday. Is it Monday? Mm -hmm. It's also my sister-in-law's birthday, so we always celebrate Valentine's Day with her. So we're looking forward to that. Let's get to some scores for our friends at Extreme Chrysler Dodge Jeep. Ram, it's our scoreboard. Check out the uh, new oil change building over at Extreme Dodge. It's a great place to get a quick oil change. All remodeled, in, out, very quick. Girls basketball, Michigan Center, they had no problem with Manchester. There's uh, Michigan Center coach Greg View in the background giving out orders to his squad. And Napoleon had a nice win. They moved to six and nine. They beat Addison 44 to 24. That's Napoleon's only game that they will play this week. Girls bowling, it was East Jackson over Leslie and Addison over Napoleon. And boys bowling, Leslie took care of East Jackson and Napoleon blanked Addison 30 to nothing. And then you, you did, uh, you were over at the J High Aquatic Center for some swimming and um, what was that like? Was that cool? It was. Uh, the facility is incredible and it is the envy of the state. That's awesome. And, and Jackson had a great night. They, uh, they defeated Tecumseh 146 to 30. And uh, I know they wanted to get back at Tecumseh for some of the other uh, winter sporting events and they definitely did that. What a facility. What a facility. It's awesome. Yeah, and uh, Jackson won uh, pretty much um, everything. Um, part of their uh, success in sweeping all of the events, uh, Tecumseh only had uh, seven swimmers. Uh, Steve Devon, there's Steve, he won the 200-yard freestyle, the 500-yard freestyle, uh, the, uh, it's amazing, he's just... Uh, I, I couldn't swim that far without stopping. No. And they, do you know they have a 500-meter uh, thing? No. It just goes on and on. They have to have swimmers stand there at the end to tell them how far they've gone. Really? Yeah. I could not do that. Wow. That's, aw that's awesome. Uh, we've got some stuff tonight. What's on deck? We've got boys basketball. JTV will be live from Yellow Jacket Arena. We have Homer at Concord at 7. Coverage starts a little, little prior. And girls basketball, East Jackson's heading to Hanover. Grass Lake is taking on rival Michigan Center. And 12-1 uh, and one Leslie is coming into town to face Lumen Christie while Northwest tries to get a big road win at Ledge. Competitive cheers at Addison. 
United is hosting at 4.30, they'll host Celine, you've got some bowling, and gymnastics are at Adrian. And that's on deck for tonight. For more scores, schedules, photos, highlights, videos, and more, check out JTV.TV. Surprise your Valentine with a gift from Jackson Candy and Fudge Factory. They have baskets already made up. I know he had one here yesterday. And oh, yeah, there's one oh, right yeah, there. Yes. Uh, the folks at Jackson Candy and Fudge Factory have been busy putting together awesome gift baskets Ooh. like this. And it's easy to run in, grab and go. And it's got something for everyone. And you can create your own gift baskets like uh, from fudge or uh, bonbons, uh, chocolate. Sugar babies. Sugar babies, classic. Blackjack gum. Blackjack gum. Licorice gum. Yeah, yeah, all the classics. And this is only $21. I know. I mean, has anyone been shopping lately? You can't even find a bottle of water for under $21. <laughs> this is a great, great deal. It is a great deal. Awesome. Who's on the uh, show today? We have a wonderful show. We're going to get things started with Superintendent at Hanover, Horton, John Denny. After this, then we'll be joined by Matt Aubin from the JSO. Thank you for listening to this JTV podcast. If your company or organization would like to advertise on a future podcast episode, please contact Molly McClure at viewermail at jtv.tv. JTV, news that brings Jackson together. Welcome back to the morning show on JTV. Our job of the day comes to you from the Michigan Department of Corrections. Yes, they're hiring, still hiring in our area and they're offering immediate openings. Get dedicated, reach success, Corrections is hiring, offering paid training, virtual training options, great pay and benefits. Corrections officers start at nearly 19 an hour and can go up from their registered nurse signing bonus of $5,000. To learn more, governmentjobs.com slash career slash Michigan slash MDOC. Our first guest on today's morning show is the superintendent at Hanover Horton School District, John Denny. Good morning, John. Good morning. Good Welcome to see back. you. Yeah, it's good to see oh, you. Thanks for having me back. It's always nice to get out here. I always, uh, I always follow uh, your decisions when it comes to uh, canceling school because of the <laughs> roads out there. I grew up kind of out there. Yep. And, um, you guys really have an easier decision to make than some of the schools inside the city because some of these roads are just, you know, you can't have the kids out there, can you? You know, that I cannot believe when I became superintendent, that was the big stressor that I did not anticipate. <laughs> you know, when you're a principal or as a teacher and as a kid, you know, it's always a real easy choice. Oh, there's dusting the snow. You know, it's like you feel like you're in the North Carolina area, you know, dust. Oh, cancel. What do we do? Yeah. And then you get to make that call and it is not easy. Uh, you know, because it is. It's one of those you want to get the kids in school, but you want to make sure it's safe. And... Uh, you know, having the forecast that we had coming in made it pretty easy to do this time. Yeah. And, you know, the Friday was the one that surprised me. Uh, I was on the phone with my transportation supervisor at, I don't know, 10 o'clock Thursday morning, and we were set to go for Friday. Mm -hmm. And then it snowed a little more, and wind started picking up, and came back from Hillsdale around 5 o'clock. And uh, after I was able to let go of the steering wheel, <laughs> uh, made the call for Friday. 
Um, but, you know, that's why we have the snow days, yeah. and, you know, it's part of growing up in Michigan, and getting I, to enjoy those days. And parents definitely appreciate knowing a day in advance, and that's new because that never happened back back in the day. If, you, if school was canceled, you find out in the morning. Typically, that's how I like to do it. Yeah. I really hesitate to ever do it the night before, especially three days in a row, because now that's kind of the standard. Right. But it's one of those, a lot can change. You know, I mean, it's Michigan. You could wake up and it'd be 65 tomorrow. Um, you know, so we like to kind of wait, but when it's obvious, we'll go ahead and pull yeah. that trigger. Actually, for a superintendent, snow day is the one day they have to get up early. Everyone else gets to sleep in. <laughs> I'm about an hour and a half early on the, yeah. looking at that. And that, plus, you're up the night before waiting right. to see how it goes. And well, we, JTV had its first ever snow day last uh, Thursday because we had employees who were snowed in. Yeah, so we gave everyone the day off. We followed the school districts and thought it was the right thing to do. I'm sure you didn't get many complaints. We didn't get a single one. Not uh, a single well, one. Yeah, actually, we had a lot of guests canceled too. Yeah. So, yeah. But um, for a lot of people, a five-day winter break, is that going to create um, additional days on at the end of the school year? We're still in good shape at this point. Uh, the state allows you to take six days um, for whatever reason, and we had canceled one to try to stem the tide of COVID that we had going through the buildings. And uh, with these three days, we still have two that we can um, take advantage of if we need them. Yeah, and hopefully, yeah, getting into February now, and yeah. uh, hopefully those two will get us through. We've uh, all over the news have been, you know, nursing shortage, healthcare worker shortage, mm -hmm. teachers, uh, support staff. Uh, shortage. Uh, Governor Whitmer has proposed a, a spending bill that would include some bonus money for teachers um, and then an increase in per pupil funding. I think they're, are they meeting today or is it a snow day? I'm not sure. Uh, well, <laughs> they're supposed to meet today. They did. The legislature did have uh, three snow days last week. Okay. But yeah. the governor's uh, each day uh, this week is uh, kicking out a new uh, spending plan. Uh, education, transportation, um, today she's going to announce an additional billion in transportation. There's a lot of money floating around there in uh, state government, and I think uh, school districts are seeing that as an opportunity. You know, it is amazing to me how few kids are going into education. Mm -hmm. It's I, Unfortunately, it's not a surprise when you look at some of the things that have happened to our profession over the last... 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, you know, it used to be you'd go into education and the idea was you weren't going to get rich, but you'd have great benefits and a really, really good retirement. Well, then all of a sudden now you're paying a bigger chunk for those benefits and your retirement's now an investment plan. Mm -hmm. Well, I look at somebody who just graduates with an engineering degree is going to walk into the market making 20000 a year more than somebody going into education, even though they paid the same thing, same amount of money for that diploma mm -hmm. and that degree. And your retirement is now based on how much you can invest starting early on. Uh, it is going to be harder and harder for us to compete with uh, private sector jobs um, to get the best and the brightest to go into what I feel is one of the more important professions yeah. we can get. So anything we can do to raise those salaries competitively um, and you know, benefit and draw and attract is a wonderful thing. You know, When you look at the salaries that people are making going in and doing the minimum wage type labor, mm -hmm. 
and you break down hourly salaries, um, schools have had to make some big adjustments. I know our recent contracts, we boosted up our support staffs across the board just to stay competitive so we can fill positions. Yeah, I, I think in the last year, some positions, you know, could, could go up from five, in the last year, maybe five to seven to $10 an hour. So all of a sudden things are changing um, and those jobs are going up. So would, would something like a, a, a bonus every year for a, a teacher, do you think that would incentivize teachers to, uh, to keep coming back? It caught my attention. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and that's the thing is it's, we're, because of the way our long-term contracts are laid out with our steps and mm -hmm. our set salary schedules, it's really hard for us to bump up and provide, you know, those big increases to the set schedule. Yeah. So getting some of this one-time money that's dedicated and has to go to the employees, I think is a great, great handout, you know, a great thank you, yeah. if nothing else. It's, these last couple of years have not been easy on educators. No doubt. Yeah, the, the job definitely has changed and you see really what teachers have to, uh, to do. Active shooter drills, for example. I, that's whoever thought that'd be part of um, teaching. Yeah, it's nuts. Well, there's some uh, new things at uh, Hanover Horton Schools. We'll take a look at the, uh, the new coming up. More with John Denny on the morning show after this. Thank you for listening to this JTV podcast. If your company or organization would like to advertise on a future podcast episode, please contact Molly McClure at viewermail at jtv.tv. JTV, news that brings Jackson together. We're back. We're with John Denny, superintendent at Hanover Horton School District. And John, I, uh, I saw a little picture of a beautiful new gym. Is that ready for people to use? It is. Uh, after many delays, um, we were finally able to get occupancy coming out of Christmas break. We were actually ready before Christmas, but the two last, the last two inspectors we had to get to sign off were on vacation. Uh, so we actually have a tournament, youth tournament coming up that uh, we'll be able to take full advantage of it. But uh, teams have been practicing in since after Christmas there. And uh, how many courts uh, can you get out of here? We've got two full courts, and on that shot there, you see where the. We've got a curtain that goes down between the two courts, so the one side has two uh, full-length batting cages. Oh, wow. That'll work baseball, softball, and golf. Um, and then on the other side, it's got a curtain that drops on half court so we can uh, quarter the gym. So cheerleading can put a full mat on one side of that net, and the wrestling team can put a mat on the other side. So we really uh, did what we could to maximize that space. That's nice, very nice. I'd like to talk to you about renting some gym time after we're done here. <laughs> It's a COVID gym, no seats. I like that. <laughs> well, that was partially due to the, uh, you know, originally we had hoped to put in some, a couple rows of bleachers, but due to the fire codes at 12,000 square foot, you have to put in a sprinkler system. And since we're out on a well, it was gonna be, they told us four to $500,000 oh by the time God. all was said oh, and done. Wow. That's insane. <laughs> so to save the money on it, that gym comes in at about 11,986 square foot, I think is what the final dimensions were. Um, so there is enough room. Uh, we'll put folding chairs around the outside for uh, spectators, and yeah. we've got it for, set up for the scores tables in the middle up against the curtains. So it'll work out great. What else is on the uh, construction docket out at Hanover? Well, we were able to, when we passed our sinking fund last uh, spring, 
We're gonna borrow against the future collections of the sinking fund so that we can get more capital money up front. And we're gonna this summer attack our parking lots that have, uh, they're ready. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're in the process of evaluating what can be top coated, what needs to be ground out and redone uh, district wide, looking to expand a parking at our elementary school, uh, but also looking to put air conditioning into gyms and cafeteria, redo the track, um, and anything else that pops up along the way. Got a couple classrooms that need some new carpeting that we'll take care of um, as part of our normal maintenance process. Yeah. It's always something. Always, right? It is. You know, it's like, you know, you figure you own a house and there's always something to do there and you may be anywhere, you know, 1,500 to 2,500 square foot, the amount of work <laughs> that can go into that. Well, you know, that gym's 12,000. So, you know, there's always, always plenty to do. Did you guys have any issues um, on the supply chain at all with any of the materials? Right off the bat, when uh, we went to dig the, they dug the trenches for the foundation to put the footers down on the connecting wing, and we had a stall for six weeks while we waited for the right bolts to come in. Huh. Uh, and it went downhill from there. Uh, paint, uh, we had to custom blend the right mix that they couldn't find the semi-gloss we wanted, so they took a batch of flat and a batch of high gloss and played a little chemistry until it got to the right <laughs> blend, and that's how we were able to get the paint for the gym. Uh, a lot of creativity involved and yeah. uh, you know, substitutions, different things like that to make it work. Kindergarten Roundup is right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Hard to believe, but yes, we uh, have our parent meeting coming up um, in a month that we try to, before we get too deep into it, we want to make sure the parents come in and our staff go over a lot of the ins and the outs and actually the kids go down with the teachers while the parents get their information. And then coming back from spring break, we'll have our three days of Roundup. Um, this year we had our two young five classrooms that were full and three kindergarten classes, so we're, uh, we're, ex- we're always excited to get the new batch in. Kindergarten's fun. It was my favorite grade. <laughs> and it's a lot different now than it was back I'm in our sure. day. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. The, uh, the, amount of, uh, the amount of expectation on the academic side of things, what these kids are doing now, yeah. it's just amazing. Yeah, it's cool to see. It was not my favorite grade. For me? For or me. for you? I think for I only me. went to half-day kindergarten. Yeah, that was the norm. You know? I went and... Uh, to a neighbor's basement for kindergarten. Well, that explains a lot. <laughs> I will tell you that. Now, you have a board meeting on Valentine's Day. Can I bring a date and we just do that? Knock yourself out. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, uh, it saves me money that way. Yeah. yeah. Any, uh, anything anything uh, noteworthy for the board meeting on Monday? or? Not really. Um, you know, this is kind of a lull, yeah. I guess. Not wanting to jinx anything, but, you know, you're kind of past the all the preview of stuff coming in through the fall, getting into the second semester, and then you get it started, and then you tie into the, getting into the roundup and prepping for next year. So pretty low key this month, nice. Well, good luck, and uh, thanks for all the updates. Good to see you. Thank you. John Denny, superintendent at Hanover Horton Schools. Stay with us, the maestro Matt Aubin is up next. Thank you for listening to this JTV podcast. If your company or organization would like to advertise on a future podcast episode, please contact Molly McClure at viewermail at jtv.tv. JTV, news that brings Jackson together.
Our next guest is getting ready for uh, not one, not two, but three uh, big concerts mm -hmm. this weekend. The Maestro, a director of the Jackson Symphony Orchestra, Dr. Matt Aubin. Hi, Matt. Hey, guys. Morning. How goes it? Good. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Valentine's weekend, you have uh, something planned? We do, we do. So uh, we have three shows. We're calling it Beethoven's Shadow, and this was actually a concert that we had hoped to get in during the pandemic, and of course, it didn't happen, but it's pretty notable because uh, pandemic year was Beethoven's 250th That's birthday. Amazing. And so here we are celebrating 251, and we have these two pieces um, that are put back to back, uh, that he wrote back to back in the early 1800s, a triple concerto and then his third symphony. And so if you don't know what a triple concerto is, it's basically three solo instruments and orchestra. And so that's a pretty special treat for us. We have uh, Arno Sussman, uh, who's a violinist, and uh, he plays out of New York City. He's coming in. And then we have a husband and wife team, Marika Bornacki on piano and Julian Schwartz on cello. And they're doing the other uh, two parts. And uh, it's pretty powerful. In, in fact, the orchestra really does, just takes a back seat mm -hmm. to them. They, they really steal the show in the first half. Uh, is and, it a battle yeah. of the uh, soloists? It's a battle of the soloists a little bit. Yeah. Actually, it kind of is. When you listen to the music, it, it does a lot of like what we call like imitation, like you know. So the cello plays a line, and then the violin plays a line, and so you know, maybe it's a little conventional now, but in its time, I would say that it was almost improvisatory, like almost like jazz. That that you know, I'm doing this, so I can do it better, kind mm -hmm. of thing. Sure. And and it's still like that when players play it. That's cool. Yeah. And this uh, weekend, it's uh, not the traditional setting for the, the concert. Yeah, not at the Potter Center. Unfortunately, we put that on one of our uh, publicity items. Uh, but it is not at the Potter Center. It's downtown at Weatherwax Hall. We've, uh, we've tried this a few times, and we think that it's, uh, it works pretty well, especially in the winter when you have a lot of snowbirds escaping Jackson. We can come into a more intimate space do the program three times, which is a lot of fun for the musicians, but also gives people options. So, you know, maybe you want to watch a basketball game on Saturday, you can come to Friday or Sunday. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I think especially with Valentine's Day, you can, you know, couple this in with a real date night and yeah. go to one of the restaurants. What will the uh, experience be like for uh, the guests at, at this performance? Sure, yeah, yeah. So what I like to do is talk a little bit to the audience. Uh, so on Friday and Sunday, I'll set up each piece and then you know, we'll play it. Like I said, the first half we have a brand new piece being written uh, called Underpinnings and it's by one of my teachers that I had in grad school and he's coming out and, and he basically took inspiration from Beethoven's music and like puts a lot of little like I would say Easter eggs throughout the composition just to listen for. And so we'll talk about that, about like, okay, it's so listening to a piece for the first time. What are you listening for? What, what uh, you know, it's really like the Jackson Symphony crowd will get to decide whether this is a great piece or not and everything, <laughs> that's fun. And then the soloists are really, uh, like, I, like I mentioned, they're front and center in the second piece. Then we take an intermission. Last piece is called the Eroica Symphony. Beethoven originally wrote it as, uh, as, as basically a tribute to Napoleon. Napoleon was seen as this big hero, but then when he 
when he took power, he basically you know, abused his power. And so Beethoven you know, ripped off the score with the, uh, the dedication. And, and, uh, and so it's the Eroica Symphony, not the Hero Symphony, but a little bit uh, of, of a, I guess, you know, Beethoven's a little upset. But, but this, this piece is so notable because up till this point in classical music, you had these composers like Mozart and Haydn, and they were, and even Beethoven, they were writing in a, in a style that was pretty square and pretty conventional, and had a lot of rules. And in this symphony, this symphony is known for both initiating Beethoven's second style period, but also bringing classical music into another period that would start to see composers like Schubert and Mendelssohn and Brahms and everything, and what's called the Romantic period. So it's a real transitional piece. Many people call it uh, the best symphony that Beethoven ever wrote, actually. Did his did the the style change because of his hearing loss? Uh, yeah, I think I think some of that, but I also think it, it just he was he was a rebel. He, uh, you know, it's it's hard because we see these pictures of him looking all stodgy and everything, but but really he was a groundbreaking person doing things that were quite controversial. Uh, at the time, you know, it, it's like how some people don't like rap music, you know, or something like that. You know, it's, it's, they, they think that's controversial. Well, some of what Beethoven was doing was seen as, oh, you know, I don't want to hear that. But it's now, it, now it sounds... In the 1800s. Right. That, that and this has happened again and again throughout history. Yeah. Like, you know, there's a very famous thing with Stravinsky's piece called The Rite of Spring, which is a ballet, where you know, people actually booed and jeered and left the auditorium. And this was in the 1900s, you know, like they, they did not like it. Wow. And now it's like a part of our standard repertoire. So if we can start to like kind of recapture that excitement of what was it like, you know, when he was listening to it for the first time, I think it's great. I, I mean, I've played it a bunch of times. It's got some really good uh, French horn parts in it. And it's one of my favorite pieces. And, and yet, even though I've played it like four or five times, I would say that I think this is the first time I've conducted it. It's cool. So it's great. Should be a great show. Yeah, a lot of fun. And I think what we're planning to do, um, we're still you know, kind of nailing down the details, but on Friday and Sunday, we'll do a little bit of a talk back with some of the artists and myself. So if people have questions about the music and or even the performance, they can ask me. And then on Saturday, it's a little different. Saturday, we'll do a pre-concert talk. And that's open to everyone so they can hear a little bit more about it. We also have a special going through the end of the day till 11.59 p.m. tonight. If you use the code CUPID22, you can get a buy one, get one free on our Friday and Sunday shows. CUPID22 at jacksonsymphony.org. Capital C. Okay. Yeah. CUPID22. And, and, and yeah, we've had a lot of people already take advantage of that. I, um, I really should also just you know, kind of mentioned that this whole program, uh, including many of the solos and the ancillary events with it, is all program uh, sponsored by Phil Curtis and his businesses, Classic Turning and Curtis Curtis and Berlinski. And uh, you know, their support has been great. They supported us through the pandemic, and you know, Phil's a real friend to the symphony. It's great, awesome to hear. Um, I wanted to ask: Is it ever too? Is it too late? Ever too late to learn an instrument? No, no. In fact, <laughs> you know. Okay, so this For was. You? No, I, I play a little guitar. Right. Well, so we, ha you know, we have the music school. And we have lessons for everyone on all the different instruments. But uh, one of the things, again, that came out of the pandemic, 
is our music education director, Jed Fritzmeier. He started an adult strings class. And so I think there's about 10 people, and I actually think, I think they're all women right now, so guys, you know. But, um, <laughs> so it is, it's never too late. <laughs> uh, but, they're, you know, but they're playing violin and cello, and, uh, and it meets Monday nights for an hour, and hmm. yeah, they, they gave a, their first performance last year, and I went to it, it was fantastic. That's like, awesome. Yeah, hmm. you know, so it, it is never too late to learn or to rekindle it, and yeah, you don't have to go play for the symphony, you can just play for you. you yeah. know? What instrument are you planning to pick up? Well, I don't know. Probably the French horn. Oh, there, oh just like me. You want to be My like... My wife played that in uh, middle school band, so <laughs> I think right. we still have one you later You do you have one? Yeah. So well, that's a difficult instrument to it, play it from is what a, I've heard. Yeah, it is a very difficult instrument to play, and uh, yeah, I should start playing it again. <laughs> I haven't played it in a little while. I've been busy doing this part of my job uh, lately, but you know, you have um, one kid? One, yeah. And uh, she, is is she playing um, an instrument yet? Is she She's not yet. Yeah, but that's We're something where like when she starts to play, you could also yeah. kind of do Maybe with her at yeah. the beginning stage. And then yeah, she'll definitely. like advance way past you. And that's what we would, <laughs> we would definitely hope. Yeah. She hopefully would be better at it. Uh, yeah, we're, we're thinking that for sure. Just yeah. uh, picking the right one, picking the right instrument. You know, you got that big piano sitting in your house. <laughs> <laughs> you have a 1920 uh, Malin oh, yeah? uh, grand piano that uh, needs to be tuned. So you okay. probably need to yeah. uh, get some. There's a lot of those homes uh, <laughs> yeah. around. Yeah, it's a know, piece of furniture. Sure. It is. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> clank, clank, clank. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. Yep. I understand. You're also uh, collaborating again this year with the Frank Center in Marshall. Yeah. So you know, in in years past, we've. Uh, We've done a, basically a Music on Tap series where that's our non-classical series. We uh, co-brand it. So the Frank Center has their Music on Tap. We have our Music on Tap, different acts at both venues, but, uh, but under the same kind of category. And, and what we thought about is, all right, you know, we've been working pretty hard to expand the symphony's reach over by Chelsea and South and kind of in Hillsdale, et cetera could we start to get out to the West a little bit more and expose the Jackson Symphony to the folks in Marshall? And so we're basically taking a hybrid version of this program for, for a lot of reasons, one of which is the size of the stage at the Frank Center. We can't bring that triple concerto mm -hmm. out there. And so I've created a program that still takes that Beethoven Symphony, but then pairs it with different pieces on the first half. And, uh, and so that's also, I think, interesting maybe for some of the Jackson people to go out and hear mm -hmm. it a little bit differently. But yeah, so we're on their series for the first time doing, doing a classical show uh, out there. And, and so it's an experiment. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But you, know, you can learn about it through our website, and then it'll take you through the ticketing portal to, cool. uh, to them. Yeah, and you know, while I'm out there, I'm planning to go and work with the Marshall High School Orchestra and Band. Nice. So we'll do a little bit of uh, educational outreach as well. Very cool. Yeah, you know, the more people that can uh, experience the Jackson Symphony, the better for uh, well, the better for the jazz. Oh well, it's it's just you know it's we had really good momentum before the mm -hmm. pandemic hit. Yeah. You know, our, our season ticket sales had increased for the first time in several years. More and more per people are coming to our family events and buying single tickets. Uh, we're really trying to offer something for everyone. So you know, if Beethoven's not your thing, I get it. Like, but maybe bluegrass is, mm -hmm. and so we we have something for you. 
and and then you know the pandemic hit, and it's it's like we have to kind of adjust our expectations again. But that said, I've been really pleasantly surprised at how you know when we had the Nutcracker, we had close to a full house on all three nights in the Potter Center, which seats fifteen hundred people. And so a lot of people came out for that. We're we're doing a Star Wars program that's you know geared towards families in collaboration with Ella Sharp and. Uh, the Jackson School of the Arts in May, and, and so we'll see how that goes. And, and, and quite frankly, you know, a lot of single tickets recently for this show, you know, I, I think probably because it's Valentine's and everything, mm-hmm. it's picking up, it's picking up, music on tap is increasing. So I think, I think people are ready, you know, understanding the risks of being in the midst of a pandemic, but, you know, managing that versus yeah. wanting to get back out and, uh, and see live music in a, in a safe way, and I think we have that. Yeah, I was at the last Music on Tap, which was a sellout, and it was we, we felt safe because the, there's a lot of room there. You've there got is, extra, additional yeah. seating in the balcony. And Ventilation's good yeah, there. Good. Yep, everything. Well, good luck with the concerts this weekend. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a lot of fun. Uh, music director, JSO, Matt Aubin. Morning show wraps up after this. Thank you for listening to this JTV podcast. If your company or organization would like to advertise on a future podcast episode, please contact Molly McClure at viewermail at jtv.tv. JTV, news that brings Jackson together. Welcome back to the morning show on JTV. You know me pretty well. What's one of my collections? Um, shot glasses. That's so dumb. No, <laughs> ticket stubs. Ah. But I don't have a collection like this fella. So, Derek Stebner has spent over $600,000 trying to get every Super Bowl ticket variation from every Super Bowl. This is just an unbelievable collection. I think he still has a few more to go. Um, yeah. He needs, he's 10 tickets shy of a full master set. And what's interesting is ticket stubs, and the, they're, all be, they're all graded, and graded means, you know, how, how, uh, how good a shape they are. How good a shape how they're mint, in, right? Mint how it is. And it's turned into a ridiculous, ridiculous collectible because, well, obviously, some are from events of history, which make it uh, make it valuable. But you know, there's no tickets anymore. Everything you show on your phone and that's, that's right. it. It's gone, and it's been going on like that for years. You know, so if you go to this year's NBA Finals, you probably won't have a printed st- ticket stub. Yeah, some so, some events there's no tickets. No yeah, so all ticket. of this history is uh, stuff you'll you just aren't gonna see again. So Daddy it's very wants cool. a ticket, huh? Daddy wants a ticket because <laughs> people won't. They won't kids today they'll never know that's right mm-hmm. and i don't like it because if you get season tickets to something where it would be easy to just hand them to a friend client or loved one to go now you got to have them log in create an account email them to them and it's, it's kind of a pain in the butt you're better off just not going to the game pro bowlers are in town at jack 60 today and tomorrow uh games and practice everything starts at 11 a.m and a daily pass uh, $10. Yeah, 10 bucks. You can get in the whole time for 20 It should be a great event. Live High School basketball tonight on JTV Homer at Concord. 
6.45. Tomorrow on The Morning Show, Joe Sharp, Mike Hurst, and Dave and Monica White. And later today on Bart Show, Noah Nagy, Dan Draper, Jenny Murphy, and Brian and Sally Kirchbaum. We'll see you this afternoon.